guys welcome back to the quiet part loud podcast this is episode 144 uh thanks for tuning in it's just me this week no guest but we do have some guests lined up next week uh and the following weeks leading up to christmas really excited repeat guests coming back uh some new folks to talk about some really interesting topics and uh i'll give you more information as they're confirmed and dates are locked up that'll happen via twitter or something else we'll see um but just me today and I wanted to come on because there's obviously been some announcements around COVID and the tier system that's been introduced or reintroduced in the UK. Uh, there's been some news around that and how that ties into some other things that I'm really interested in the mo- at the moment, uh, namely cryptocurrency and blockchain, which I'm teaching myself about little bit by little bit. It's a, it is a deep rabbit hole and I'm just scratching the surface but I did buy some Bitcoin this week I did transfer some other cryptocurrency that I own into a new wallet I bought I used to own cryptocurrency back when cryptocurrency and Bitcoin was brand new Uh, unfortunately I didn't know anything about what I was doing and I kept it in an in an exchange that ended up getting hacked it was M T Gox, I believe the name of it was now, uh, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of Bitcoin was stolen. I was caught up on that, in that, unfortunately. Uh, so that kind of made me, you know, once bitten, twice shy, and I stayed away from it, but I've always kept my eye on it. After listening to some friends' content and exploring it a little bit more, I have I've dived straight back in and I am now actively going to be involved in the cryptocurrency space. Um, it, I, I only mention it because it ties into what I actually want to talk about today, which is the, 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 the talk and the, and the hoopla around the COVID vaccine. You know, there's, there's multiple vaccines now that are showing 90% efficiency, um, efficacy uh, in, in the treatments that are being kind of rolled out and tested now. We had a presentation from the UK government this week lauding the, the efficacy, but if you read between the lines and if you listen to actually what they're saying, this 90% effective rate is actually not 90% effective at all. It is a very small group of individuals that are recording or that they're seeing a 90% success rate in. And that's the thing with these briefings and with these governments and with these medical officers and, and anybody that's tied into some sort of a common goal. Like we don't know how heavily invested or associated with these big pharma companies members of the government are, for instance. Um, but I always, I always try to be to keep to keep a healthy level of skepticism when and if you've listened to the show before you know exactly what I'm talking about I like to call people out on bullshit and I feel that this is bullshit I felt this was bullshit when it was being talked about 
on the press conference through the media outlets and all of that. And it turns out now that the AstraZeneca vaccine that is being rolled out and was lauded by the mainstream media in the papers as 90% effective, we're almost there. Now it turns out it's more like 75% effective. The 90% efficacy rate was in people who were severely affected by COVID and showed severe signs, high risk of death, etc. And who are those people? If you look at the numbers, if you look at the data, those people are 60 plus who are generally in poor health or who have underlying conditions, which you could say is the group most affected by most afflictions due to the nature of evolution. So when you say 90% effective, you're talking about 90% effective in people who are going to be most seriously afflicted by COVID, i.e. death, i.e. ventilators, hospitalizations, etc. Okay. My problem here is the rate in which they want to ram this down our throats. Okay. This thing has been developed in under a year, which is extraordinary in terms of vaccine development. The efficacy now, we're learning, is mostly aligned with those who are going to be most severely affected. So what they're saying is, if you're a healthy person who is unlikely to show symptoms or be detrimentally affected by COVID, we don't know what these vaccines will do for you. We don't know how they will work. We don't know how many times you'll have to take it. They don't know how many times you have to take it anyhow. Is this going to be like a flu jab that they recommend that you take every single year? Or is it going to be like a polio vaccine? You know, the MMR vaccine, mumps, measles, rubella. These are vaccines that take years and decades to manufacture, to refine, to make sure the efficacy is not only there, but the safety. And that is the main thing for me with this vaccine is what's the level of safety that comes with it? How do we know what the medium-term benefits of this vaccine are? How do we know what the long-term benefits of this vaccine are? The answer is we don't. Because when you cobble something together in less than a year, which is a fraction of the time of the normal development of a vaccine, and then tell everybody fake stats about it, and please don't put a tinfoil hat on me and because I start to say things like fake and you know whatever but when they roll out 90% effective when if you look at the t totality of the uh, research being done the trials being done the actual efficacy is some 20% less 15% less okay what's the efficacy in people who are 24 to 35 with no underlying health conditions who live a generally healthy lifestyle. Give me those numbers. Or is it going to be something that they promote like a malaria, like run of uh, malaria tablets and, 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 you know, 
vaccines you might have to take when you go to certain countries. Nobody knows. But they've rolled out this, you know, world-saving vaccine. These stocks go through the roof for Pfizer, for AstraZeneca, for others, Moderna. But we're not being told all of the information that we're that is required for us to make an informed decision. And then you hear things like compulsory vaccinations. You hear things like, you know, mandating vaccinations for travel or for going to work. And I think, well, why is private industry getting involved in this? Because I asked myself a question a couple of weeks ago. I said, I wonder if this vaccine, when they roll it out, they're going to make everybody have some sort of a stamp in your passport or some sort of a registration to say you're allowed entry to this country only if you've been vaccinated against COVID. I don't know. I don't know. But you hear whispers of it. And then you hear an interview with the CEO of Qantas Airlines who says yes on television when asked bluntly to his face, will you require your passengers, passengers of your airline to be vaccinated for COVID-19? And he says yes. We are looking at this for all international travel. And in fact, we're considering it now for domestic travel as well. Okay, so he's a private, that's a private company with a board. They can make their own rules and decisions. And then what? It's down for the customer to decide whether they want to use that or not. Use that airline or not. Or fly with an airline that doesn't require you to be vaccinated in order to use that. But again, I wonder why does private industry want to get involved in this? Well, of course they want to get involved in it because it helps their bottom line. But there is a kind of a deeper rooted connection between the government and private industry. And what I mean by that is if the government comes out and they say to you, it is mandatory that all citizens get the COVID vaccine. Well, then we're living in communist China, right? Then we're living in 1984. But if it's done by coercion, then the government seems to have washed its hands of it. The government seems completely out of that circle of decision-making. They're not complicit in making you have to be vaccinated. Boris Johnson came out in the briefing and said, no, the UK does not mandate compulsory vaccinations. Okay, but what if British Airlines do? And then what if Sainsbury's and Asda and Tesco's and Waitrose do? Then don't you kind of have to get it? What if TFL do, Transport for London, the, the company that run our subway system or our bus system? What if it is mandatory that in order to use those services, you have to be vaccinated with the COVID. So if you, with the COVID vaccine. So if you don't, you can't come to work or you have to walk or drive. 
Is it just going to be easier to get it so you can go on about your life, so you can go on holiday with your family? So you can get a job? Is it going to be a requirement? Is there going to be some biometric data that companies install that have some sort of a connection to your medical data? Ooh, that tinfoil hat, right? That tinfoil hat. Well, the United Nations have already brought out the uh, UN biometric wallet. I think, bio, yeah, bio, is it the biometric wallet? I think it is. What this does, what this proposes is to keep everything on your smartphone, right? So you would have a digital wallet. And this is why it kind of ties into cryptocurrency, as I mentioned in the beginning. Because in order to own Bitcoin or any cryptocurrency, you need a, you need a digital wallet. It's not a physical wallet, right? It's held in the blockchain. It's held in the ether. Um, again, don't, don't check my words and my phrases. I'm just getting started. Um, but you have to have a digital wallet to hold and to trade cryptocurrency. A digital wallet's just built on the blockchain, right? It's it's like a way to store information. So if a government can create one of these or an organization can create one of these and it can tie all of your data into it. So the United Nations, what are they interested in? They're interested in human resources data, so stuff from HR, all your records, all your job history, all of that stuff, right? They want biometric data. So your health checks, your health records, and, and things like that. They want behavioral data. No, 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 that's not the UN. That's another company I'll talk about in a minute. Um, they want pension and payroll data, the UN do, right? So they have financial access to your financials and to all of your financial details and records and you know transactional data. What are you buying? Where are you buying it? When are you traveling? Whatever. They want travel data as well. So they start to form a picture of you in this digital wallet that's got all this sensitive data in one place that they can analyze and will use in assessing you as a, as a score. And I feel that with industry tying into this, it just makes it so much of an easier transition to get back to what we were talking about in a previous episode, which is the Great Reset. And I'm not gonna do the work for you guys. If you wanna find out what the Great Reset is, then please just Google it. It's very easy to find this information once you start looking for it. But the, Uni the United Nations is already rolling this out. This is, not, this is not a test and learn phase. This is a rollout implementation phase of things like digital wallets and comprehensive data on employees and people that are consolidated into one place. So this is the rollout and implementation phase. This is not test and learn. And if you don't believe me, then another case to cite would be a company called Acquaint, I believe it is. A-C-U-A-N-T is the company. They are, again, one of these sort of digital companies that's looking at consolidating data for analysis purposes, what have you. Um, you can look them up. They have recently announced a partnership with the Canadian government, with the 
Department of the Canadian government called DIACC, okay? That is the Digital ID and Authentication Council of Canada, okay? I'll say it again. That is the Digital ID and Authentic, I think it's Authentication, yeah. Authentication Council of Canada, DIACC. Okay, so this tech company has a, has a partnership with the Canadian government. For what? Well, it's to create a trust framework. Okay, what does that mean? Well, have a look at the other pages on the website, guys. The data that they're interested in is behavioral data, financial data, biometric data, document authentication and others okay they're working with fintech companies they're working with the banking system they're working with healthcare companies they're working with governments i mean i like to think of myself as a pretty logical guy someone who will follow the steps and hopefully lead to some logical conclusion based on evidence i don't like to be conspiratorial about things but this, it's right there. They're hiding in plain sight. And if you just close your eyes and keep walking, you'll just fall off the cliff. I mean, think about how they're going to get one step further with this, right? Elon Musk wants to release Neuralink. Neuralink plus this, again, draw your own conclusions but for me it seems pretty obvious where this is all leading us and i don't like it because we're just being lied to and we're being and that's why the covid lockdown is is just walking us closer to this destiny we're being told we can't interact we're being told we can't have Christmas the same way or holidays the same way or anything like that. But they're going to allow 2,000 people into a football stadium or a live concert. They're opening pubs up till 11. Gyms are back open, thank God. Nail salons, hair salons, things like this, they're open. But you're telling me that I have to socially distance from my family. It seems like it's purposely being implemented to have a detrimental overall effect on your mental health, but still keep you aimlessly spending money. It just, it's very peculiar, these tiers that they put in. And they've effectively put 90% of the country in a tier three lockdown. It's just, it, it's bonkers. It's, it's just insane. Um, but somebody said to me, they're like, I got 30 years left in my life, maybe. This person said to me. And I'd rather get outdoors and live my life, live my best life, live my best life with my kids. Rather than worrying about all of this institutional corruption, all of this kind of Orwellian big brother society societal development plans this great reset 
I'd rather not think about that. I'd rather go on holiday with my boys. I'm gonna take this vaccine when it comes out, even if it's mandatory and they tell me I have to take it, I'm gonna take it because I just wanna be able to go and travel with my boys and live our best life with the years that I've got left. It's heavy, man. That's heavy. That got me thinking. Do I worry too much about this stuff? Do I think too much about this stuff? Probably, probably, but I also like it. It also interests me to know what's going on. I like to peek behind the curtain. I grew up poor. I had nothing. And to think that there's this level of corruption that we have, this level of incestual business dealings and and rubbing each other's back and how they're doing it all from you know from the perch overlooking the rest of us snickering and laughing and saying look at what we're doing and just moving the chess pieces around knowing that nobody can do anything about it that bothers me that really bothers me we've seen these ppe contracts go to friends of the government for a hundred million pounds and they say well it was all above board you know the consultation period that the consideration that that was all legit it just so happened that my best friend got a 122 million pound contract when he does have zero experience of manufacturing or distributing ppe equipment it's convenient so so good what a lucky guy I occasionally play the lottery. I have just once I would like to be that lucky. Just once. But it got me thinking, should you should you worry about this? Should you worry about this if you've got kids? And my response to him was precisely that. Is why you should worry about it because you've got kids. It's the world you're leaving for them. And what if they want to have kids? Do their kids grow up where they're implanted with a chip and every single movement is then tracked to give them a social score to take away their individualism? I don't think so. I think our individualism is the greatest thing about us. I think it's the ability to think outside of the box, to be offensive if you need to to be challenging if you need to to be perversely hilarious you know these are things i love these are the things i love and i just feel that with the measures that we're seeing with covid and the mismanagement of it i mean come on australia we got a call from our friend 27 days without a case my buddy in Taiwan, it's been back to normal for over a month. We're dealing with tears because we can't get this island under control. Lock the fucking thing off. What is the matter with you? This government. But I think it's because of the kids. We need to call account. We need to hold to account the people who are supposed to work for us. And we should buck back with our resources. Dave Chappelle just released a 15, 20 minute special via Instagram. 
And it was about how he got stolen from. And how he's going to take it back. And how all he's asking for is for people who agree with him or want to support him to talk with their wallets. To talk with their eyeballs. And to not watch his content. Because HBO Max had licensed The Chappelle Show and he doesn't have it in his contract to receive any revenue from that. Netflix had it streamed. He went to them, said it hurt his feelings. They took it down. Great PR for them. Great move to, you know, solidify a relationship with a commodity that is the talent of Dave Chappelle. But we need to buck back. We need to buck back properly. And I'm not saying that you don't need to wear a mask. I'm not saying that COVID isn't real. Don't get that twisted. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that how we deal with it is and can, should and can be a lot better than what we're being told by our medical professionals and our leaders in government because it's a shambles what they're doing. And the fact that this might be some small part of a grander conspiracy to talk us into, coercing us into being compliant being trackable and being scored no we need to buck back on that we need to buck back on that imagine you see you start with a number you start with a number and because you have a couple too many takeaways your number starts going down in the health category right it's like one of those things where you've got like the four bars right it's like you've got your health you've got your strength whatever you've got your uh you've got your money right and you've got your, I don't know, it usually was like speed, strength, agility, right? Weapons. You know what I'm talking about. But imagine everything was run by a, a, a compulsory chip that was monitored. And it levied scores against you in all aspects of your life. And just because it was tracked, just because you had integrated it, just because we went ahead with complicity they now start to score us you don't think social scoring works have a look at China they're already doing it somebody said to me you take a trip to China as a businessman you may get back to the airport and find a jaywalking ticket waiting for you because the digital facial recognition that they've got is well, it's second to none in the world, right? And they track you from the moment you land until the moment you leave. And everything is automated. We could talk about China a little bit more, but I'm still doing my research on the Belt and Road Initiative. And if you don't know anything about that, you need to have a look at that as well. But I just think that we're in a really dangerous place, right? Because in America, we see Joe Biden, and he just announced his cabinet, and it is back to normal. You're welcome, America. You got what you wanted. You got, you got done with a guy whose behavior you didn't like for a guy whose policy and affiliations got you to the point where you elected Donald Trump in the first place. And for anybody out there that screams, yay, Trump's gone. Yay, Trump's gone. This is the best thing that's ever happened. Has not looked at the vote count recently. 
This was a, an historical election for Joe Biden, right? Well, it was, it was an historical election for Trump as well. Because Joe Biden may have gotten the most votes of all time, but Trump got number two. And that should concern a whole lot more people than it makes happy that he's not in office. And you need to look at the resume of the guys in his cabinet. You've got big pharma ex-CEOs. You've got big pharma, uh, big oil lobbyists. You've got venture capitalists and people who have went, been with Joe Biden for 20 plus years. So back to normal, how quickly people forget. But they're all about compliance in that government. I mean, look at what Kamala Harris did as, what was she? Was she district, Attur district attorney or prosecutor general of California? She was withholding evidence. She was keeping black kids in jail for nonviolent drug offenses. This is your vice president, guys. You're welcome. You did this. Apparently, you elected Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Kamala. Kamala Harris. But if you don't think that they want control, oh, these interventionists. The whole thing is it's just becoming a nasty, nasty cycle. And I just think... And I'm not talking about kicking back the way Black Lives Matter and Antifa kick back. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about wallet, civil disruption. I'm talking, like, getting yourself off the tip. Like, this is about self-reliance, right? This is about accountability. This is about you doing what's right for you and yours. Don't walk blindly into the night led by these morons. Look what they've done for you so far. They've ruined a year of your life when some of the world with much less resource in the UK and the US are back to normal. This didn't have to ruin our lives. This didn't have to take the effect on us. Arcadia Group is going out of business. They say they might be going bankrupt. Listen, when they put it in the news that they might be going bankrupt, they're bankrupt, okay? It's not like they're <laughs> like, come on. But I just think we need to push back on these things because if we don't, then we just get fed them. And we make excuses for ourselves why we don't need to fight back because it's easier not to. I always like a good fight. Isn't it worth it? Isn't it worth it sometimes? And I get it. It's just about living our best life. But shouldn't we decide how living our best life goes? Shouldn't that be up to us? And also, shouldn't we have the confidence in the folks that we elect to lead us to do better? To be more competent? Think about the request, the nature of that request. Can you be more competent? Your incompetency doesn't fill me with any sort of security 
or any sort of confidence. So can you do better? That's a wild, wild notion that you have to make that call from the people you elect to lead you. Because the people who go up for that position are never the best for the job. And at the end of the day, you're a number to them and a commodity to them. And all you have to do is look at any interview that's been given by the government or any politician in the last, I don't know, 50 years. Never once do you get a straight answer. Never once do they get straight to the point. Never once do they want to admit that they've been wrong. And I just think enough is enough. You better not come to my door and tell me I gotta stick a needle in my arm whether I like it or not to get something that works one out of four or three out of four times. You gotta do better than 70%, 75%. Come talk to me when you've given 100 million people this thing and we've watched over the last 10 years what it's done to them. If it's safe after that, I'll line up. And to a degree, I'm being somewhat facetious, right? Because I don't know what my tipping point is. I don't know. I don't know. Like, if my wife comes over to me and says, listen, we haven't been, we haven't been able to leave the country in three years. You need to go and get the shot in your arm. It makes you feel a certain kind of way. So I don't know. I'm just saying that around every corner seems to be someone just running off and you can only see the back of their, you know, the back of their coat. And you're like, what was that? What was that? And it's just whispers and it's shadows of things. But I'm telling you, I've been doing this research on getting my self in order whereas my investments are concerned and I've been looking at cryptocurrency. And I'm in, I'm in. But when you look there and then you link off and then you do a bit more research and then you see names repeating, you start to see that there's some things going on. There's this amazing technology out there that has the ability to redefine our world the way the internet did. This blockchain, nobody understands blockchain. I don't understand blockchain. I don't understand anything about it. But I'm listening to some very, very intelligent people that know a lot about it. It's their job to know a lot about it. It's how they spend every day. And they're not saying that this is going to be a big deal. They're not saying that this is going to be groundbreaking. They're saying that this is going to be a world changer. They said this is the internet. They said Bitcoin is like Google, Facebook, Twitter, Amazon, all wrapped up in one. It's that level big. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna see what it's about. But whenever you get something that is world changing, as they describe it, as the experts describe it, unknown potential, but revolutionary nevertheless, undoubtedly revolutionary, When you've got that, you're undoubtedly going to get somebody, some bodies that play in the space for their own ends. And their own ends are more nefarious. They're about control rather than freedom. And that's the difference 
this is how this is how our future will be defined i think is whether you are part of the blockchain that encourages freedom or you're a part of the blockchain that is about centralization and if you subscribe to the centralized version of what the blockchain could be you are putting the handcuffs on yourself and you are helping in my opinion put the handcuffs on the rest of us so that's my thoughts on it I don't want a mandatory vaccine I don't think vaccines should ever be mandatory unless they have undoubted proof of success I would definitely vaccinate my kids with mumps measles rubella polio you know these sorts of things but when you come out and you tell me something's 90% good to go or 95% I think one of these Pfizer one uh, Pfizer vaccines was 95% good to go and then we scratch the surface a little bit and all of a sudden it's 75%, 74%, 73%. Well, again, you lied to me. And that's what I don't like. <laughs> I don't like liars. I try never to lie. I try to be as honest as possible. I try to be straight up when I do this show. And all I expect, at the very least, is for the government officials for some of these corporate psychopaths to just once just once be honest with us and just say listen it's not ready we're going to mandate masks that sucks too but it's not the end of the world our economy's going to change we're going to get through it together we, we fucked up we fucked up we thought this thing was good to go we thought we handled this thing we couldn't we fucked up and we spent way too much money on corporations when it should have went to the people. We fucked up. This vaccine, we thought it was 90%. It's 75%. We fucked up. Sorry. We fucked up. We're going to keep working for you guys. We messed up. We were told some stuff. The stats look good. We blew it up. We shouldn't have. Sorry. It's so easy to do it. It's so easy to hold yourself accountable. Except when the sword of Damocles is hanging over your head, right? And the first time you admit you fuck up. Be gone. Stick to the script, boys. Stick to the script and we'll all get through this. I think we need to hold them accountable. I think we need to... Uh, I think we need to put the, put the pressure on them a little bit. And I would just implore you to consider whether or not you are ready to have your government come out and mandate or very sneakily watching corporations try to mandate that you must be vaccinated in order to use their services it's just funny when a YouGov survey comes out and it says of the people surveyed Brits support the government making it legally compulsory for all Brits to be vaccinated this is a YouGov survey that came out on the 17th of November this year once a coronavirus vaccine is available, would you support or oppose the government making it legally compulsory for all people in Britain to be vaccinated? The general population, 49%, it says, agree. They would support a mandatory vaccination. With only 34% directly opposed to it. 
Now, I don't know everybody, but I'm calling bullshit. I'm calling bullshit. I don't think 50% of people surveyed would be like, yeah, come on around and let me line up and get that mandatory vaccination real quick. I don't know shit about it. I don't know anything about it. You told me it was 90%, but now it's 75%, but you know what? I'm still with you. I'm still with you. I just don't think so. That survey, if it was taken, was taken before the vaccine stats came out and before the stats were amended. But if you asked them now, it would be a lot lower. But I don't believe it in the first place. I just think we need to hold these people to account. They, they, they tell us lies. The media feeds, feeds us lies. It's so transparent that they're lying. They have no remorse or resentment for lying. These are, these are crooks. How many times would you, you know, let a bully bully you before you, you know, before you swing back? Anyways, I just wanted to come on and, and say that and, and just kind of give my thoughts on this vaccine because when I saw the CEO of Qantas come out and say, yeah, we're doing it. Well, cool, guess what? Never using Qantas. If a grocery store was to come out and say, yeah, you, you've got to have an ID card that you, know, you need to flash or scan to get you in the door, I'm never going there again. It's just as simple as that. I'm not going to be told what to do. Just like the pronoun things, I'm not going to be told what to call you when you just make some shit up for yourself. There was a video on Twitter. It was hilarious. There was like five people sitting around the table. This new guy came over for lunch. And they were like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a panda and ident- I identify as a, I don't even fucking know. I'm not even going to try. Um, <laughs> but again, compliance, 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 compliance. Leave me alone. Let me live my life. Anyways, I hope you guys live your life. I hope you have a good weekend. Um, Stay tuned to The Quiet Part Loud on YouTube. Check us out on uh, Twitter, our Facebook page, Instagram. You know, we're all over. um, But we generally put our thoughts out on Twitter. So definitely follow us there. Um, More and more YouTube stuff coming up every week. And some really, really good guests. So um, that's it. I'm going to wrap it up and have a good weekend. So... Um, until next time, guys, thanks for tuning in. My name's Daryl. I'm your host, and, uh, and I'll see you next week. All the best.